you can't just well-being your way out of a difficult situation. And I think there's a danger sometimes to think, well, what can I do to make this situation better? Whereas I think the more nuanced question is, is how in this challenging situation, what are the things I can do to stay sane, to, you know, try and work my way through it, but acknowledging that there are these other challenges. Hello and welcome to the Medical Women podcast, the podcast from the Medical Women's Federation, the largest body of women doctors in the UK. I'm Dr. Nathana Bayankaram, I'm the Vice President of MWF and I have the honour and joy of being your host as each week we hear from wonderful guests to help you feel more empowered and confident on your medical career journey. Hello everyone, I hope that you're all keeping well. Can you believe that we're in March already? I feel like this year is zooming by. Now, I'm really sorry that this episode is a little bit later than usual this week. I have had very, very busy uh, clinical shifts um, in the last couple of weeks. And sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's really hard to, to be doing a podcast alongside a really busy clinical job. And People sometimes say, you know, oh, how do you do it? And you're like superwoman. And I don't actually think it's good to be like superwoman. I think, you know, in the past, certainly when we first started the podcast last February, I was, you know, I wanted the episodes to be out every, like every Tuesday at a certain time. And I'd make sure that they were all uploaded before then. And I was very particular about the way that I did things and I would listen to all the episodes before they went out and lots of things, I guess, from maybe from a perfectionist place. As time has gone on, I just haven't had time to be a perfectionist and I don't actually think it's good to be that way. And I think it's good for me to model that, that it's okay not to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect to be a podcast host. And um, I've started accepting that, you know, sometimes I get home from a very late shift or I've done nights and actually I'm exhausted. And it, even if it is a short introduction to an episode, it takes a lot of time and mental energy to, to come up with what to say. So I've just been kind to myself and given myself a bit of time to, to rest, you know, in between shifts rather than force myself to get the podcast out on time. So I'm sure you will forgive me for listening to the advice of previous podcast guests who have told us about the importance of putting our own oxygen masks on first. And I think it's actually good for me to, to look after myself and to model that, you know, that it's okay to look after ourselves and if I get the podcast episode out a couple of days late, okay, yes, maybe it disrupts people's, you know, it disrupts their weeks because you're used to the episodes coming out on a Tuesday, but actually it's not the end of the world if I don't get the episode out on a Tuesday. And you're also lovely. I am sure you will forgive me. So that being said, what are we talking about this week? So this week's episode is all about thinking of our careers I have just rotated. So, you know, pediatric training in some deaneries, we rotate one month later than everybody else. So I'm just rotating onto my first neonatal registrar job, which I'm a little bit nervous about, but also, I guess, excited about the learning curve. And whenever there's, you know, whenever there's a rotation, it always brings up so many emotions for me. I, I feel like 
we just kind of get settled and we get to know everybody and everybody gets to know us and then boom, it's time for time for a change again. And every time it's induction and the first day of a new job, it just it just feels like first day of year seven and you don't know the hospital, you don't know where to park, you don't know where anything is in the hospital, you don't know the nurses, you don't know the doctors. There's a lot of change at once. And whenever there are transition points during training, I always find that it makes me really reflective and thinking about the overall direction of my career. I don't know if anybody else does this. I'd love to know if you do. And so this week's episode is with careers coach, Laura Cloak, who speaks about, you know, how how do we plan for our careers and how do we find the things that that we enjoy, particularly at the moment when you know, post-pandemic, we're all exhausted. There's going to be a junior doctor strike soon, unless the government does something about it to avert it. You know, there's everyone, there's just collective exhaustion of not just doctors, but people in you know lots of um, lots of different sectors, and particularly public health services. You know, across the board of public health services, there's a lot of exhaustion, and so it could be quite hard to work out what you actually enjoy about your job and what you enjoy about your day. So Laura really helped to give us a framework of how we identify these things, and I think. You will find it helpful whatever stage of of your career you are at. I also just want to say we have got the spring conference coming up very shortly on Friday the 17th of March because of the cost of living crisis and because of the strikes and various other factors. We've decided to hold the conference fully virtual this year. So it's held on this wonderful platform called Medal. It'll all be recorded. So if you're not free on Friday the 17th, um, you can get a ticket for £25 if you're a non-member, £20 if you're a member, £10 if you're a medical student non-member. And if you are a medical student member, it's absolutely free. So if you're a medical student, I would advise you to pay £5 to become a member of MWF, and then you can come to the conference absolutely free. We're trying to make this as accessible to everybody as possible. And as I said, if you're not free on the 17th, get a ticket anyway. Everything will be recorded. You can watch it back another time. So yes, we've got lots of uh, lots of exciting speakers. It's all about empowerment. I'm sorry, I'm recording this after um, after what has been first day of induction, and I'm getting very tired. So I think it's time to go to bed. I'm finding it hard to get my words out. But um, yes, the the program is really varied, and we've got previous uh, guests from the most popular podcasts. Susie Edwards, Harriet Whaley Cohen, Dr. Nikki Ramscale, and a very, very diverse panel. So I look forward to virtually seeing you all on the 17th of March. So it's great to have with me today Laura Cloak. Uh, Laura, welcome to the podcast. It's lovely to have you. Would you be able to introduce yourself for our listeners? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So I am a career fulfillment coach, and that means I help people to create careers they love using my coaching programs. And I'm a big believer that we should be defining success on our own terms. So rather than thinking about what society thinks success looks like, actually, we're going to find fulfillment at work when we figure out what success looks like for us and go out and get those kind of things. So that's what I help people to to help them to figure out what a fulfilling career would look like for them and then give them the tools and techniques to help them to go and make that happen. 
Wonderful. And how did you end up doing that? Because it, it does sound like a very cool job. Yeah, it's taken me a while to get here. I think sometimes we think that our careers are things that we can plan. You often think about having a five-year plan for your career. Um, and I stopped planning a while ago and started saying yes to things that excited me, which is how I've ended up here. And as well as coaching, I also um, do some work in charity retail. I'm head of trading for a small charity. That's my career background, which I'll tell you a bit about. But I also produce classical music concerts. So I helped to found a company that brings amateur singers from all over the world um, to sing in historic London venues like oh, wow. Southwark Cathedral. Yeah. So we, we formed in 2018. It's called Vox Anima London. And singing is my hobby. And it's been really lovely to explore doing some work um in that singing space so I've ended up with this portfolio career but if I go back to the start of my career I actually started out working in retail I was a merchandiser um at the Conrad shop so lots of spreadsheets looking at how we would move stock around the business to make a profit and I absolutely loved that it turns out Excel is my happy place um <laughs> Not many people find Excel as thrilling as I do, but I do believe that a spreadsheet can solve anything. Um, but while I was I love a good there, Excel I, spreadsheet. Yeah, they're brilliant, aren't they? <laughs> um, while I was working there, I completely burnt out at work. So um, I had a lot going on in my personal life. My relationship wasn't great. My commute was getting longer. My grandmother was unwell and then she died. And then inside of work, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. Um, unnecessarily and the combination of all of those things led to massive burnout and I developed a chronic illness and it was a real wake-up call for me that I needed to approach my career differently. Um, so I moved to the charity sector, started working in charity retail and um, charities are generally um, the hours are shorter, there's less pressure to kind of work in this fast-paced environment. Um, but I started to question what I wanted from my career and at the point where I became a manager I discovered coaching as a technique and it was like a light bulb moment for me. I didn't know that this this tool existed, that you could be coached to get better at your work. I always thought you had to be told what to do. Someone had to show you. But coaching is a completely different approach and it's led me down this path to explore coaching. Um, so very whistle stop to I did a qualification and I was coaching internally at the organization I worked at and when I was made redundant in 2018 I decided that's the moment to make a change and I set up my business got a part-time job and I've been juggling those along with the choral singing ever since. Oh amazing and so you said that you mainly do um career like fulfillment coaching mm. um and I think you know this is it feels like it's been like the hardest winter so far in, in the NHS. And I know lots of um, our, our listeners range from medical students to retired doctors and mm. to people at all sorts of stages of their career. But generally speaking to all healthcare professionals at the moment, everybody just feels really exhausted. So I think thinking about getting fulfillment at work is mm. on everybody's mind. So how... Like when, when you are coaching, how, what, what kind of, like, could you give us some exercises that we can think about mm. for how we find more fulfillment at work? Absolutely. I, um, I've been thinking a lot, actually, in preparation for our chat about what it must be like to working in the NHS at the moment. Um, and it's a really tough environment. And I think what I'm interested in with coaching is um, the overlap between what we can control as an individual that, you know what, what's immediately within our control and what we can change and how the environment in which we're working impacts us 
And I know that I have worked in environments before where I've had maybe a colleague who's very difficult or challenging to work with that has had a, a big impact on me or leaders or managers who haven't recognised an increase in workload, a lack of resources and an ability to do my job well. And, and those really impact on our ability to feel fulfilled at work. And I think I'm very mindful when I'm working with people that you can't just well-being your way out of a, of a difficult situation. And I think there's a danger sometimes to think, well, what can I do to make this situation better? And I think the starting point has to be acknowledging what you can't change, mm. what you can't fix and what might be and how that might be impacting you. Because I think otherwise there can be a tendency to think if I just do the right thing, this is suddenly all going to feel a lot better. And, and that puts too much pressure on ourselves as individuals to fix the situation. Whereas I think the more nuanced question is, is how in this challenging situation, what are the things I can do to stay sane, to, you know, try and work my way through it, but acknowledging that there are these other challenges. That was really helpful thinking about what can I do and that what's in my control and what isn't mm. in my control. Yeah, because I think sometimes if we're trying, you, you can only change the things that are in your sphere of influence the things that you can actually change so if you're exerting energy onto things that cannot be changed then um, it's going to be very frustrating you're not going to make any headway with it which will make you feel more demoralized and you won't have the energy to to do your job anyway so I think it's a, it's really first of all about identifying what is it that I can change and fix but recognizing that there is this wider thing going on and I think I, I, I was really conscious of this discussion around just how challenging it must be working in the NHS at the moment um and for people to find fulfillment, that absolutely has to be the first starting point is recognizing just how tough it is. And I think therefore it's also about managing your expectations of what fulfillment might look like at the, at the moment. You know, are you aiming for, you know, coming home from every day of work, feeling incredibly fulfilled and stress-free and like you could run a marathon after you get home. Is that, that, is that realistic? That like a realistic expectation. <laughs> yeah. Or is it about coming to terms with, um, identify what what difference can I make day to day and how can I best make that difference so that I feel at peace that I've done the best that I can in the circumstances that I've got yeah yeah I'm not sure anybody comes home from from work feeling like they can run a marathon I definitely don't come home feeling like no. I need to go to bed even if it's five o'clock yeah. um but yeah it's it's helpful to to think of it that way and when yeah. we're thinking about you know like what actually makes us fulfilled are there like any specific questions that we can ask ourselves to help us identify those things yeah I think the starting point for that is thinking about um when do you feel good at work what are the things that you're doing what's important to you in your job and I think sometimes we think about the what we do so you know in medicine you're going to have a specialty you're going to have the types of things that you're doing but how do you feel when you do those things and where are the moments when you feel those moments of joy you know I joked before that I like using excel but for me having a, a realization of data and getting that insight and being able to utilize it to um in my charity job grow my sales I find that really rewarding I really enjoy collaborating with people that for me makes me feel great so if I can work in a team where everybody is using their strengths to achieve something that makes me feel good conversely I don't feel good at work when I can't collaborate with my colleagues mm. so if I have a difficult relationship with someone 
and I can't do that collaboration. I find that really challenging. And so I think it's about trying to identify for yourself, where are those moments where you just feel, oh, I love this, I could do this all day long, and trying to see when by paying attention to those what what understanding does that give you and that might also help like I say on the flip side when you aren't having those needs met how might that be impacting you um and I see at the moment you know wanting to give a high quality of patient care when you don't have enough resources must be incredibly Mm. challenging because I'm sure an underlying value for anyone who goes into medicine is wanting to care for people you wanting to help them to be well so not being able to do that will be really challenging. So I think the starting point is identifying those unique things for you and really drilling down to the detail. I think sometimes we think about the bigger picture stuff, but actually it's those small moments every day. And I have an exercise I do with people, it's called a day in the life. And what I do is I get people to imagine their kind of ideal day at some point in the future. It's not a real day, but it's kind of like, if you could control every moment, what would it look like? And we visualize from the moment you wake up, you know, what are your surroundings like? What are the first few tasks you do in the day? What do you have for breakfast? And then in terms of your working day, thinking about who are you working with? What are the types of tasks you're doing? How are you feeling? What you're doing on your lunch break? If you get a lunch break, that might be a a strange concept, you know, if you're very, very busy. But thinking about those tiny moments throughout your day and trying to visualize what the ideal would look like. And that can be really eye-opening because I think sometimes we don't necessarily think about all of those details. But once you've done that exercise, you can then start to ask yourself, well, how can I bring some of that into my day-to-day? So, you know, you might want to build exercises a daily practice as part of your, your working day, and that might be unachievable, but maybe you could go for a walk after work and just start small, take five minutes to walk around the block and start to build towards what you want. But the starting point is knowing what ideal looks like and then asking yourself, well, how can I bring a little bit of that? Maybe I can't do it every day. Maybe I can't do it to the extent that I would want to, but how can I start to bring some of those moments into my career? Okay, that's, yeah, that's, that's really, um, really helpful to think of ideally, what would we like to have, and then work back from there for well, from that, what can we have? Mm. Um, if there's anyone listening to this, and the field that, you know, actually, there's no part of my job at the moment that I am actually enjoying, what kind of things can, can they think about? Because I'm assuming that it doesn't mean that, you know, it's all doom and you have to change jobs but yeah what what kind of things would be helpful for them yeah I think it's part of that same idea of thinking about what what would your day look like if it was a great day and what's missing and when you can start to identify what's missing you can then either ask the question well how how could I possibly get that in my in my job now or you know if I spoke to my manager is there something I could do to, to make a change there but also it's worth considering outside of your work what could you change there that might help support you in your role I literally was working with a client this week who was feeling very demotivated and frustrated in their job Um, and through our discussions we identified a few things that they felt they were lacking around uh, motivation about wanting to be excited about work wanting to get stuck into a project and changing jobs isn't on the cards for them at the moment for a variety of reasons, but they've taken on a voluntary position outside of work. And suddenly that's ignited a different part of their brain and they're getting to do some of those things and feel the way that they want to at work. So their job hasn't changed at all, 
but they're doing something outside of work that is massively helping. They're also looking at their sleep patterns and they're getting a lot more sleep. They identified that they had low energy um, and they were in this kind of low energy, low motivation downward spiral. So by addressing their sleep and by finding something outside of work to help them feel engaged, suddenly their job feels a lot better and they'd like to move on at some point probably now's not the right time but they're feeling much more engaged with work because they've identified things outside of work and I think if if changing your job isn't a possibility um, and there's not much you can control in it then it's a case of looking a bit wider and saying well, what can I do outside of work to support me with this and the other thing is is about coming to terms with the situation that you're in mm. and trying to find a way to um think about that in a way that's more positive. I talk about positive reframing a lot. Mm. Um, so a really straightforward example of that would be is if, if I was really nervous about doing this podcast and I said to myself, I'm so nervous about being interviewed. I don't know whether I'm gonna say the right things. I have to ask myself, um, is that a helpful pattern of thoughts for me to have? Probably not. A more helpful way for me to think about it might be to say, okay, well, maybe I have some concerns about recording this podcast, but actually I'm really excited to be asked and I'm excited about sharing my knowledge and expertise. And in doing so, hopefully I'm going to help lots of other people who listen to this podcast. So that's a reason to show up and, and share my knowledge. So by reframing the situation, that can help me to think in a more positive way and rather than dwell on any of the nerves I might have to focus instead on what I want to talk about and the topics that I think might be useful and helpful for other people. And so I think in the context of work, if you're if you're unhappy at work and you're saying to yourself, I hate my job, I'm really unhappy at work, I've got to go into work and I'm really not happy. Ask yourself, is that way of thinking helping you? And if it's not, is there a way you could positively reframe that? And it might look like I uh, need to do this section of work as part of my training. It won't last forever, but it's important for my training, my bigger picture career. I need to put up with this because longer term it's going to take me where I want to go. Or it might be, you know, a, another version of that. But it's trying to find a way that you are not constantly battling against those negative thoughts. And again, you can't. I said it at the top of this, you can't well be in your way out of a difficult situation, but it's mm. trying to find a way that when you show up, it feels a lot easier. I remember when I was thinking about starting my coaching business and I was in a a, a job that was was okay, but my focus, my goal was to start my own business. But I saw lots of people around me being promoted and I was thinking, oh, am I not doing very well? Why am I not being promoted? And I had to stop and remind myself, well, hang on, you don't want to get promoted. You want to start your business. So you need to start reframing your, your workers. You go to work to get paid so that you can lay the foundations to start your business. And as soon as I started saying that to myself, I became much more at peace with all of the other things going on with other people because I was ticking my boxes. My work was there to pay me so that I could go on to build my coaching career. So asking yourself, what, what do I need to be hearing right now? Is the story I'm telling myself helpful? And if not, how could I retell that in a more helpful way? And it's not necessarily about being, um, uh, what do they call it, toxic positivity. You know, it's not about ignoring the challenging things that are going on, but it's about saying, if there is a way for me to reframe this in even a slightly more positive way, how could I do that so that I'm showing up at work a little bit more positive which hopefully then will have a knock-on effect throughout your day yeah oh I love that reframe that's um that's so helpful particularly helpful for me because I'm doing a big talk next week and um yeah 
um, would prefer to to focus on the things that I want to like convey to the audience rather than how nervous I am about yeah. it. So thank you. But also, if you are nervous about it, then the reframe that I like to do is I'm nervous, but I'm doing it anyway. You know, mm -hmm. I'm really proud of myself for putting myself forward for something that's making me uncomfortable because I know that I'm growing, you know, and turn that into a positive thing. It's okay to feel nervous. It would be odd if you didn't, you know, it's, it shows that you care. So there's a, there is always a, a more positive way to look at things. Yeah. It's like that feel the fear and do it anyway, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah absolutely that's um that's really helpful and I guess you know with our listeners some of them will be like medical students or more junior doctors who haven't chosen a subspecialty yet or a specialty not even a subspecialty and so they'll be thinking about oh I don't know what I might want to do in in the future um what what kind of things would you suggest they think about when they're trying to make those decisions mm. I think our careers guidance generally encourages us to think about what we want to do. But very rarely does anyone ask the question, how do you want to feel at work? Mm. And that's really important because even in very similar jobs, there are going to be lots of different ways that you can show up and do that. You might be the kind of person who really likes a fast paced, stressful environment with lots of things flying at you left, right and centre, no planning. You're just completely responding to what's in front of you. Or you might be the kind of person that actually really likes to plan, likes routine, um, prefers, you know, to have things in a kind of more logical order. And, and so when thinking about what, what specialty you want to go into or where you want to go, I think it's also important to think about not only the what you're going to be doing, but how you're going to feel. What level of stress do you want to take on? Some people really thrive on that kind of crisis management and other people absolutely flounder. So really starting to understand yourself, what your personality is, where you enjoy doing those things and where you'd like to see yourself, I think is, is really important and trying to find that match so that, you know, if you're looking at a specialty that requires, I don't know, a lot of very detailed note-taking and admin writing, and that's not your strength, being aware of that, you know, you can get better at things, you can learn how to do them, but it's kind of going in with open eyes and, and asking yourself, is this really where I thrive? And I guess if you don't, if you haven't worked in lots of different environments, you might not necessarily know that. Mm. And so I think there's something about being open to exploration. And um, I was talking to someone the other day about there's a there's a gardener called Beth Chateau. Um, she died a few years ago now, but she had this philosophy of gardening, which was the right plant in the right place. And she recognized that plants need certain conditions to thrive, you know, the level of light and moisture. Um, and there was no point putting a plant that loves sunlight in a shady spot because it's not going to do well. And I think people are like plants. We all have these unique conditions that we are going to thrive in that are are unique to us you know what you enjoy at work and what I enjoy at work might be very different and so if we can create the conditions around us that allow us to thrive then we're going to do so much better in the workplace than if we're working in conditions that really don't align with what we need and there's a certain amount that you can learn and grow and develop but, but ultimately you, you've got to sort of understand what is it that I need best to thrive and make sure that those conditions are around you. So that would be my, my biggest piece of advice is think about how you want to feel at work and see if that aligns to the specialties that you're looking at choosing. That's brilliant. I don't think I've ever, you know, I don't think I've ever thought about how, how I feel at work 
that that piece before it's always um yeah what will you be doing and yeah that's um that's really helpful way to think of it um and I guess sometimes you know we commit to doing a subspecialty and um I guess the beauty of medicine is that you can change you can do something for a few years and then if you feel actually this really isn't for me or or it could be that life you know your life circumstances change so then you feel actually this specialty isn't suitable anymore I want to change to something mm-hmm. else if um if any of our listeners fall into that category and they are kind of thinking maybe I need to switch specialty um what kind of questions should they be like, reflecting on yeah, it's really interesting that you you bring that up as a, as a topic. Um, back in 2018, I created a project called Unconventional Mentors. And mm. it's all about this idea that you can learn from lots of different people. And a mentor doesn't have to be a person in your speciality that's a few years ahead of you that you sit down for a coffee with and learn from. But that people from all different walks of life can actually be really inspirational. And I created it when I was going through my transition from a nine to five career in retail to this portfolio career that encompassed coaching. Um, And I was worried or thinking about, was I doing the wrong thing? If I'd done retail for the best part of 15 years, was it foolish of me to put that down and go into coaching and, and just putting it down? And I had a lot of doubt around it and I was reading a biography of a photographer called Lee Miller Um, I say she's a photographer she actually started out her career as a model she then moved to becoming a fashion photographer she then this was all going on during um, the 1940s so she became a war correspondent she photographed for Vogue um, ended up on the front line she photographed Hitler's apartment after the war she struggled with PTSD so she pivoted into being a cookery writer and a travel writer she traveled all over the world documenting what she did and I was reading her biography and thinking wow this woman's brilliant look at how many different careers she's had that's incredibly inspiring and then I thought well hang on I'm I'm pivoting to a new career that's okay you know if I thought it was really brilliant and inspiring for someone else to be doing it I could you know transfer that to myself and think well hang on maybe maybe my pivot um, is going to be interesting and exciting and open something up for me and in terms of how to do that again I think it comes back to really knowing what it is that you want and that you're looking for so my question would be if you're thinking of, of pivoting into something else what is driving that change for you is it about an interest in in a new area that you didn't know about before that's that's probably a very obvious one where you've discovered something that you you perhaps didn't know existed or you were um hadn't hadn't really understood what it could be and you're you're being taken forward by curiosity Mm -hmm. about what that might entail and that's exciting the other questions might be what is it that you want to leave behind what are you not enjoying about your current role that you want to stop doing um and, you know, classic examples of that, you know, I, see, I hear lots of people who've ended up as people managers, but they don't really enjoy managing people and they want to get back to the doing of work. So I think the starting point is identifying what is it that you are hoping to get from that change? What are what are the nuances, the specific things that you would like? And using that to, to help inform your decision making. And if it's a case of I don't like where I am now and I just need to do something different, <laughs> that's probably a moment to pause and think, well, let me interrogate this a bit further so that the next thing I do, I don't just end up taking all of those problems with me. Thank you. That's um, that's really helpful framework because I think, you know, I mean, just 
with the pressures at the moment and post pandemic, I think lots of people are thinking, mm, how how am I going to fit this in? Or although the specialty looks very different to, to when they first went in, like general practice mm. is is very different to how it was before. So yeah, that's that's really helpful. Yeah. I guess you know. I mean, I keep saying on this podcast that the workforce is the most important asset of any organisation. So if we're keeping the NHS going, we need to make sure that we're looking after staff and it's not just, you know, oh, let's fix it with doing some well-being things. It's actually how can we help everybody to be fulfilled? Mm. And I think your point there that the workplace has changed is a really important one to recognise. Um, there was some old Greek person from like thousands of years ago who said, the you know, change is the only certainty in life you know mm. things will always change and we change as individuals so as we grow and develop in our careers what excites us and what interests us will differ but then the world around us changes as well and so I think sometimes the first step is to acknowledge what has changed um, you know is it me or is it the, the workforce around me and how has that change impacted me um, you know if your life circumstances have changed then um, what was important to you before might no longer be important, or you might have other things to consider. So it's almost recalibrating to these, this new world, and particularly with everything that the NHS has been through with the pandemic and, and how we're coming out of it, I think it's really important to take stock of those things and also to recognise that change is okay, um, particularly in ourselves. If, if we used to enjoy something and now we don't, that's absolutely fine, and we can work away, find a way to do things that that we love and try and find some more of that fulfillment and I think a lot of the challenge for people is around that identity and just being able to have that time to think about what they want you know I, I, a lot of people in their careers are so busy doing the doing that they very rarely get to stop and think about it other than maybe you know coming home from work and talking to their family about you know they've had a tough day or a difficult conversation and I think where coaching is incredibly powerful is you get to say those things out loud with the other person not providing any judgment or opinion they're just reflecting back to you what they hear um because our friends and family are lovely people and generally they don't want us to feel any discomfort so if you're having a bad day at work they will likely go oh don't worry about it I'm sure it'll be fine uh you know it'll all sort itself out next week just don't worry about it or they'll offer some opinion well you should quit or you should do this or you should do that but it's actually powerful to be able to sit in those thoughts and think, well, why is this bothering me? Mm. Why am I not feeling good? What, what is it that's bothering me? Is it the impact that it's having on my health? Or is it the frustration that I can't deliver the care that I want to? Or is it that actually I just don't enjoy this anymore? This, this it isn't, it used to feel good and now it doesn't. And just having that time without that judgment and also without having to necessarily do something about it straight away just being able to sit with with what's going on is so powerful. Oh, thank you so much, Laura. You've given us um, so many really helpful frameworks. Um, I think I need to like listen back to this episode and write down <laughs> everything that you said. I wish I had a pen and paper with me so I could write down all the questions. Um, I've just got some quick fire questions for you now, if that's okay. Yep. So the first question is, is there any book or books that you would recommend for our listeners to read? One of my favourite books that I recommend to lots of people is called Playing Big by Tara Moore. And she it really resonated with me because she talks about 
women who are perhaps less confident in putting themselves forward or stepping into that confidence and showing up in the world. And she has a brilliant um, paragraph about feedback and how it's really important to identify the person giving you the feedback and whether or not you actually want their opinion. And so, you know, you want the opinion of the people who are decision makers um, and you want the opinion of people who are experts, but their opinion isn't necessarily right. It's just information. And that really helped me in terms of thinking about how I can confidently show up and say, no, I, I know this to be true. This is my way of thinking. So, yeah, Playing Big by Tara Moore. Wonderful. We'll, um, we'll put that in the show notes. And is there anything you know now that you wish you had known earlier on in your career? Probably something around boundaries. I am the biggest fan of having boundaries in my work life now, saying no to people and asking for what I need. You know, coming back to that idea of the conditions we need to thrive in, I have a much, much stronger sense of what that looks like for me in terms of the types of relationships I want to have with people, the amount of rest that I need. I spoke at the beginning about having a chronic illness. You know, I cannot work and be the most effective I cannot be my most effective self if I'm tired. So mm. being able to rest throughout the week is important. Um, and I have a really strict policy about not, not even checking or even thinking about work when I've finished work. I decide when my working patterns are and when I'm done, I'm done. And I and I put it, you know, I just put it out of my mind once it's finished. And that applies in my personal life as well. I say yes to things that excite me. I say yes to having spending time with people I love. And I say no to things that aren't going to bring me joy or will drain me or I feel some sense of obligation to do. And I think that's been one of the most powerful things that I've developed. And I wish my younger self knew about those sorts of things because she probably wouldn't have burnt out had she been really firm with those boundaries. And and can you share anything there on that um on that boundary piece for um you know, how can we be strict with, you know, when we'll think about work and we won't think about work? Because you know, particularly as junior doctors, we come home and then we've still got like e-portfolio and various work-related things or like I've been off today and I feel like I've spent several hours trying to sort out my rotor for my next rotation and you just think, oh, I'm spending all my off time doing work-related stuff. Yeah. So there's a couple of things. I think, firstly, it's about deciding when you're going to work and, you know, I appreciate that medical jobs are very different, but I work in a sort of office based nine to five. My contract is you come in these hours and then you're finished. So for me, that's that's the boundaries of when mm -hmm. those are there. So that's what I've decided. And I think there's there's two elements to boundaries. There's how you decide to show up for them and there's how other people um, respect them. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes the the harder one to maintain is the boundary with ourselves, deciding when we're going to work. And deciding to put it down you know that can be really tough and I think sometimes people will just check an email because they just want to check on what's going on not really thinking about how that's then going to impact them um, and so from a practical point of view yeah try and try and decide when you're going to work and if you're going to do some work outside of of your normal hours or, or on your day off or whatever you know be intentional about doing that you know thinking about the time you're going to allocate for it practically try and declutter your space of work so you know I don't have work emails on my phone so that I don't accidentally see something I have all my notifications turned off partly oh, for good idea. productivity but like I don't want a message popping up um from my part-time job on a Thursday and I see oh hang on there's that thing because if it's a real crisis someone will actually pick up the phone and call me mm. but they'll probably manage without me until the following Monday 
Um, so yeah, taking all of those things away. If you if you'll find yourself practically with work, if you've got pieces of paper or notebooks or things, pack them away, put them in a box, put the box completely out of sight so that you're not thinking about it. And the final thing is, is really about having a conversation with your manager. And again, appreciate this is much more challenging in the NHS, but I've been in situations where there was more work to do than I had resource in my teams for. And there was two cho choices, either something fell over or I absorbed the extra. And whenever I absorbed the extra, my boss never acknowledged the fact that I'd done that. They hadn't appreciated the impact it had on me. They just said, oh, that's amazing. Well done. Whereas when I let things fall over, suddenly there was extra resource somewhere. There was actions happening. I was being supported. So if I absorbed the extra work, the only person that's going to be impacted by that is me. And the only person that's going to notice that is me. Um, and so that that has been really front of mind for me and being able to push back to people and say, I can do X, but then Y is going to have to drop and I won't be able to do everything rather than taking it all on board. And I appreciate that's incredibly hard when you're working in schools and you're a teacher or you're working in the NHS and you've got people in front of you who are going to suffer if you don't take it on. But I think we're now seeing people are at the point where they are struggling with burnout and having to leave the profession altogether because they've taken on so much. And I think it's something for people to reflect on what what are you prepared to take on board and what are you prepared to push back on? And it's a very personal thing. So I don't want to sit here as a coach and just say you should say no to extra work and mm. finish bang on time. It's I know that's not realistic, but I think at least having the awareness of when you are taking on board more than you have agreed to do and acknowledging that is the first step to being able to maybe push back a little bit or at least make that time intentional so that it doesn't become all consuming. Thank you. That's um, that's so powerful. Um, thank you so much, Laura. It's been so, so helpful having you on the podcast. Thank you for coming and sharing everything with us. And I'm glad that you said yes and not no to me when I asked you. <laughs> No, I was absolutely delighted when you asked. And if your listeners are looking for extra support, I run a free newsletter called The Inbox Coach. So every month I pick a different career topic. February is going to be about boundaries. And I share little nuggets of information about my thoughts on these topics. And I also provide reflection questions that people can do on their own to help them to think about you know, how they can develop in their career. I'm a big fan of five minutes of career development a day will help you make a really big change. Wonderful. We'll pop a link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you Amazing. so much, Laura. Thank you so much. I've loved this conversation. It's been really, really interesting to think about fulfillment in a really challenging set of circumstances. Thank you so much for listening to the Medical Women podcast. Make sure to subscribe for free on whichever podcast platform you listen on so that you automatically get our episodes. The aim of this podcast is to support and empower as many medical women in their careers as we possibly can. So please share this episode with at least one other medical woman. If you're interested in joining the Medical Women's Federation, we would love to have you. And all links to our website and social media are in the show notes. This podcast has been produced on behalf of the Medical Women's Federation by Dr. Nathana Bayankaram and Ms. Jenna McKenzie. Our music was composed and played by Dr. Keith Bayankaram. Thank you so much for listening.